Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Good morning, church, again. Hello. I hope that was a blessing to you like it was to me. Man, I feel encouraged and ready to open the Word of God. We're going to be continuing on in the book of 1 John. We're going to be finishing up chapter 2 today. Um, Some time ago when Pastor Isaac was telling me uh, about uh, he was going to be gone uh, for vacation time, um, first off, I was a little jealous. Going down to Branson seems like a lot of fun, but (laughs) it's good for him to get some rest. Uh, I just want to say this real quick. Continue praying for Pastor Isaac. Let this, I pray for this weekend to be restful for him so he can come back and serve us well. Uh, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and, and uh, if you have a chance today, just text him a, a little bit of word of encouragement. Let him know that you're praying for him. I think he would really appreciate that. Um, but as we were talking about what, uh, what sermon I would get this Sunday, we knew that we were going to be going through 1 John, and it was kind of funny when, <laughs> when I was talking to him. He said, well, I got two options for you. I was like, okay, let me hear him. He said, well, number one, you can preach through 1 John uh, towards the end about abiding in the word of Christ. I said, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. I'd I'd love to talk about that. He said, okay, there's that. Or the other option is the Antichrist. (laughs) Naturally, (laughs) you know which one I picked. (laughs) But if... Just a little bit of refresher for you. I think it's always good to continue on repetition, right, Uh, talking about why we're going through the book of 1 John and a little bit of context for what we're going to be reading about. So obviously we know that uh, the book of 1 John is written by John. Now, it's interesting. If you read through the entire book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John doesn't say his name, but we have a good idea that it is the disciple John, uh, the one whom Jesus loved. What a title is that to have? I think that's kind of a little nudge there. Uh, but we see a lot of similarities in the text, words that are commonly used in both the Gospel of John and the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, also, the writings, likely John was likely in around the church of Ephesus, and a lot like uh, a lot of churches, or a lot of writing at, during this time, right, in the New Testament, like Paul did a lot, was writing to talk about Uh, false doctrines to combat that a little bit and likely the false doctrine that John was trying to fight here or try to uh, uh, adjust um, was the false doctrine of what is known as Gnosticism. Now if you're unfamiliar with that phrase Gnosticism it was basically the idea that when Jesus was here doing his earthly ministry that he was not actually fully a human being that rather he was more uh, a spirit. Now of course we know throughout scripture that that's pretty bad doctrine, right? We, we know all throughout the book of Hebrews, right, that, you know, and all throughout really the New Testament that Jesus was fully human, right? He was fully God, but he was also fully man, right? If he wasn't fully man, then obviously he couldn't have died a physical death on our behalf, right? So John, from the get-go, is saying, hey guys, don't, don't listen to this, right? In the book, in the very beginning, in 1 John 1, he says, that which you've heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was made manifest, right? It came to be, it's physical, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, 
which was with the Father that's made manifest to us, right? From, from the get-go, he's saying, don't listen to what these people are saying. Right? This church in Ephesus, they were having that issue of people saying, well, who knows if Jesus was really a fully man? He was probably just a spirit. It's like, no, I was literally with this man. I did ministry with him. I hugged him. I prayed with him. I did ministry with him, right? And I think that this context is really important for what we're going to talk about today. Because if you remember last week, Pastor Isaac talked about the Antichrist, right, coming uh, to deceive Christians, right? And as we're going to see in today's passage, he continues on, and he says some pretty amazing stuff. If you have your Bibles there, in verse John, we're going to be in chapter 2, verse 24. John continues this idea by starting by saying this. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him and the shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let's pray. Father, we are so thank you, thankful for giving us your word. God, we are so thankful to be able to abide in the truth. God, in this world today, there are so many things that try to tell us what to think, not only about the, what the world says, but God, what they say about you. And Father, let us refocus our minds on the gospel today. God, let us refocus and recenter ourselves on your word. God, your word is truth. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, God, so let it pierce through our hearts today. We love you so much, Father. We thank you for all these things you've given us, including the greatest gift of all, your son. We pray that you speak to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Start back in verse 24. He says, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. Now, I don't know if you've picked up on today's service or not, but there's one particular word that we've been saying an awful lot already. Anybody tell me? Anybody? Abide. Abide. Now, what does this word abide mean? Abide, or as some translations would say, remain, is a heavily used word in all of John's writings throughout Scripture in both his letters in this particular letter, in this chapter especially, and we see in the book of John, the gospel. This word, abide, a little word study I did, says that it appears at least 118 times in the New Testament, with the Apostle John using it around 40 times in his gospel, 24 times in 1 John, 3 times in 2 John, and 1 time in Revelation, for 68 times total. That's a lot of abides. <laughs> In this chapter alone, John uses this phrase eight times. It's almost like he's trying to tell us something here, right? This word abide or to remain is a verb. It's active. It quite literally means to be intertwined and intimate with something. We, of course, know that the greatest illustration of this word abide comes from John 15. We've already read it a little bit today. If we go there in John 15, I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there, but he says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Here comes the abide. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Right, we remember, I love, it was so cool, Lisa, <laughs> this is so crazy. Lisa called me earlier this week and she said, Trent, I have this really great idea for children's time. And she was like going through about it. She didn't know that this week was actually her week. And she's like, oh, well, I found out this is my week. And she did what she just did, but the grapes, right? And I think it's so amazing. That's such an amazing illustration because that truly is, when we are, right, the main vine being Jesus, we being the branches that bear the fruit, right? You already saw what happens when we're not abiding in Jesus. We're not intertwined with him. When we're not truly getting deep into his word, we are apart from him, right? What did Jesus say? He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. For the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, right? We know that Jesus being the source of life, abundant life, right? When we are truly abiding in him, we see from the get-go, Jesus is speaking this word abide as in something very important when it comes to a relationship with him, right? We see that we understand as Christians to abide that when we are in our time with Christ, we allow his truth, his word that speaks to us. When we allow that to sink deep, when Jesus becomes our root, our cornerstone, our center, we will naturally start bearing the fruit of truth. I love what Jesus said in, Jesus, in John 15, 4. He says, abide in me and I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Right? Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. See, I think in our lives today, we as Christians, we like to think that we can do things on our own. Naturally, we have this pride that's kind of deep-rooted, even though we try to say, yeah, I trust in Christ for everything. Ultimately, the fruit that we have shows whether or not we're abiding in Christ truly. For how can we declare that we know what is true unless we are connected to the source of truth itself? What I mean by this is unless we are connected to the vine of Christ, we are lifeless and without truth. We're like a raisin, dried up, <laughs> naturally. You see the fruit that Lisa pulled at the end? I was very surprised. That was a very healthy bunch of grapes. <laughs> I don't know where you found those, but... But that's what it looks like to abide in the truth of Christ. When we try to do things on our own merit, with our own pride, we're going to end up like that raisin, right? Man, I just love your illustration, Lisa. Just, this is all coming together now, man. Wow. But that healthy fruit, that's what it looks like to abide in Christ. I think that's why John makes such a big deal of being aware of false teachings in chapter 2, to know what the truth is as well as what it isn't. If we are not connected to the vine of Christ and we're trying to decipher what the world has to say about God, we have, have no inkling of what the word God actually says. We don't know what this truth is. We're not truly studying it like we say we are. I think it's pretty easy to say, oh, yeah, I read my Bible. Okay, then what are you going through now? Uh, well, let's see. I read about two weeks ago that one John 3.16 passage. Right now, when we dive deep into the word of God, we find truth. We find promises for his people 
that, we can, that can be encouraging, but ultimately we learn how to abide in him, the vine. That's what the word of God is for. This isn't just encouragement, it is. But this is talking to God. This is God talking to us. It's an amazing thing that we need to take advantage of more often. And John, right, he's talking about these false teachers. And he goes back, and I'll reread verse 24. He says, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. See, this passage speaks of a relationship and intimacy that goes beyond any relationship that we could possibly know. For us as Christians, the word abide or abiding is absolutely crucial for our spiritual health. When we are not abiding in the truth, or rather not abiding in the word of God on a regular basis, it won't take long for us to have a spiritual decline. And as a result, Satan will find it so much easier to attack us. This from the beginning part is the gospel. To know what the word of God says is so important. Can I tell you today that there's a lot of bad, false teachings out there? There's a lot of things that we can see on the internet or on YouTube or on TV or on the radio that sound appealing to our ears, but yet are so far from the actual truth of God. See, there's things like the prosperity gospel that tries to say that, well, God wants you to be happy. He wants you to have a multitude of blessings, physical blessings. But if we go look in Matthew, he says, do not lay your treasure here on earth, but lay your treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If we are truly believing that, oh, well, God wants us to be happy here on earth, then we're truly missing the point. False teaching. Maybe a pastor, I've been seeing a lot of these things actually in our youth group here in a couple weeks, or a couple months probably. We're going to be going through some different videos on the internet and learning what discernment is, Right? seeing what we see on the internet and saying, is that what the gospel, would that line up with the word of God? See so many times prosperity preachers, not just prosperity preachers, but just preachers in general who try to create their own platforms, who try to do things, have their own power, build their own power. They, I see things like pastors who are trying to get money from congregants and say, well, God wants this ministry to be blessed. I'll bless you with all this money that I got. It just makes them richer. <laughs> I don't understand that. We're not investing in the things of God. And all these happen whenever we don't truly abide in the truth. Abiding in the truth is so incredibly important, but I think sometimes the problem is we're not in this word enough to know what truth is. I was thinking about this. um, I think about people who are learning a new language. Anybody in here bilingual? Just out of curiosity? Maybe not. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. Well, hey, how many of you have tried to learn a new language, maybe? Attempted, right? When I was in high school, I took two or three years of Spanish, and it did not work out. No bueno. That's about all I got. Okay. But I think about people who are wanting to learn a new language. Let's take French, for example. A person can maybe learn a few words or phrases, right? They can learn bonjour or des compétents. I learned that from home alone. I don't, I don't know anything else, right? But Learning these words, I can't, if I know those words, that doesn't mean I know how to speak French, right? That doesn't mean I am fluent in, in French. It just means I know a few phrases. The same goes with the word of God. Well, we can know some Bible verses. We could spit John 3.16 off the top of our heads, but do we truly know the promises that have been kept through generations 
through this word. That's so important for us to abide in the truth of God. If we truly want to know who God is and understand what he wants from us, it starts right here in his word. I think it's so interesting. So many people are like, well, I don't know what my purpose in life is. Well, boy, let me tell you, it's very simple. To glorify God in all things that you do. Find that in here. Not in the world. We truly want to know who God is and understand what he wants from us. It starts right here in his word. We cannot claim to know God if we don't even know what his word says. Like I mentioned, you can listen to a sermon preached or read an encouraging devotional on Facebook, but if you're not constantly digging deep into the word of God on a daily basis, on a daily basis, not just once a week on Sunday mornings when we're opening our Bibles together here, but taking a look for yourself. There's so much treasure and gold in this book. And you as a Christian can go search yourself the scriptures and be encouraged and built up. I love what the writer of Hebrews says about the word of God. He says the word of God is living and active. What other book does that? (laughs) Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to this division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This passage says is that it's always revealing new truths to you. How many of you guys have ever went through the book, a book that you maybe you've read many times before, and you find something new? What other book does that? How amazing is the endless treasure of the Word of God? Let what you've heard abide. In, let what you've heard from the beginning abide in you. Don't let these false teachings change what God has already said. God is the ultimate authority. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce through anything that goes against its truth. It's when we dive deep in the word of God, when we seek after him, that we can find amazing nuggets of truth. I love how John reminds these readers in verse 24 not to lose sight of what they've heard from the beginning, the true words of Christ. Don't allow the world to try to tear you apart from God, right? We read earlier, nothing can separate us from the love of God. How amazing is that? Abide in him. And I love what he adds in here as we read down to, he says, let what you've heard abide in the beginning. If you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. Naturally, when you're abiding in the vine of Christ, you will have the truth. But I love what he adds on to here. He says, this is the promise that he's made to us, eternal life. This eternal life is something that goes beyond the grave. It goes something way beyond anything else we know in all humanity. When we are truly abiding in the word of God, we can find the assurance that he will keep his promise to you till the very end. This book will never fail you for your entire life, and it will go beyond the grave. How amazing is that? You can find assurance that he will keep his promise at the very end to encourage you, to keep you from false and empty promises of the world, to stay close to the word of God. And when we don't sway from it, we have this promise, eternal, eternity with God. How amazing is that? For us reading this today, this passage should give us the utmost confidence that despite what this world may throw at us, we can remain confident and assured that he will hold us fast. This is the promise that he made to us, his children eternal life. Of course, we know that we aren't alone in this world. We know that there's many things that will try to cut us off from the vine and knock us off course. That's where John continues in verse 26. Here, continue on with me. I'd write to you these things 
verse 26, I write you these things about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. Right? Again, we see him introduce the word abide, but he also uses another word, a very special word, anointing. Now, I think for many of us, I'm kind of giving you maybe a challenge of, well, how am I supposed to discern what is true and what is false? I know I can read this book, but how am I supposed to actually know? Well, that's where the anointing comes in. That's from the Holy Spirit. When you are saved, God gives you a helper. Gives you the Holy Spirit to be able to discern what is truth and what is not truth. You ever hear something, like I said, wherever it is you get your information from and go, I don't know if that's true or not. Right? When it comes to things of the Christian nature, right, that is the discernment of the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing that John is talking about here. When we neglect our duties as Christians to stay firm on God's word, it will start to show up in our personal theology, but when we have the Holy Spirit, we can truly know what is truth. It must be people who continue to deeply hunger after the truth and are willing to dig deep into the never-ending well of the word of God. We must never be content with just a nibble of truth and scratch the surface, and just scratch the surface of God once for us, but truly dig deep. When God gives us a spirit of discernment, the anointing that he gives us, we can proclaim the truth in our lives. But it starts in the word. I keep saying this over and over again. But maybe you struggle to get into the word. Maybe you, I've been there myself. Let me tell you, even as a pastor, it's hard sometimes because naturally our flesh doesn't want to go after the things of God. We're at war with our flesh always. I want to show you right now a painting it's one of my favorite paintings. Maddie's smiling because she knows this painting. Uh, when I was in college, um, I, uh, I had this class. I, I was a history major. Maddie and I were both history majors. Um, and one of the first classes that you take as a history major is a class called Historian's Craft and its Uses. And basically what this class does is it teaches you how to learn history, how to write history papers, to do research, things of that nature. And this very first book that we read as history majors, which I know Aaron can probably attest to this, you read a lot of books as a history major, probably more than you really need to, but it, this first book is absolutely essential for you to understand anything else and how to learn history. And on the cover of this book, it's called Landscape History, is this painting. It's called Wanderer Above the Sea Fog. It's by a painter in the 1800s named Casper. David Frederick, and I find this to be so amazing because in the landscape of history, in this book, it talks about looking past the fog. I think sometimes in the world of history, right, you you think about learning history, you kind of learn bits and pieces here and there, but normally there's a lot more to the story than meets the eye, and that's why as a history major, we were told to go deeper into the fog, to get deeper into these things that we were learning about so we can have a better understanding of what really happened Put all the pieces together. And boy, let me tell you, I don't know if you're picking up on the connection here yet. (laughs) Reading the word of God is the exact same. 
See, we can scratch the surface. We could see kind of the, the fog, right? We could see uh, the bits and pieces like, oh, yeah, God loves us. Okay, great. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow, amazing. But how about digging deeper into the Word and realizing that Jesus is the full incarnate being of God, right? Getting deep into the Word of God, looking past the fog. So important. And when we do that, we can fight against the world and Satan, trying to throw its evil darts at us every time we, we can know that we can turn fast, stay fast, remain fast in the word and look past the fog. Abiding in the truth. When we abide in the word of God, naturally we will have the discernment to fight off every sight of the enemy and remain strong through every battle. We abide by the truths of God and dig deeper into his word. God himself reveals himself more and more to us. And the wonder and amazement of who he is becomes more and more evident. When we read the word of God, we have a heart of worship knowing who our God is. It's so amazing. To finish the passage in John 28, he says, Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in his shame and his coming. If you know that he is righteous, and you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. It's encouraging to know as we grow in our understanding of God's word, when we read it more and more, and we uncover all these treasures, we look passive, the fog, and see what God has for us. We can also grow in our confidence in the one who not only saved us from our sins, but from Satan's tyranny. To know that when we remain firm on the word of God, Satan's devices will no longer work on us. I remember growing up, my mom used to buy these little rubber toys. Uh, they looked like dinosaurs. And you would take it, and you get a big glass of water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're called like Gromies or something. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, I got a picture. Um, these are like the little capsule ones that are little foam ones. But same idea. You put in a thing of water, you wait a couple hours or a couple days, and they grow magically. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. <laughs> but I was thinking about that when I we're thinking about the Word of God, and as we start our journey into reading the Word, maybe we've never done that before. As we start off, it's kind of difficult. We start small. We don't have a whole lot of confidence that we know what we're doing. But the more that we read and we let the living water truly absorb into us, we grow in our faith, become more confident, and the more we read, the more we are assured of who we belong to. The more we read, the more that we can become confident that at the first sight of bad doctrine or somebody who's trying to tear us down, we can say, no, I know the truth of the word of God. How amazing is that? See, we must understand, the more we read, the more we are assured we can grow in our faith. And maybe some of us might sit here and think that, well, maybe I can fake it. Maybe I can pretend like I've been in the water and I've grown. But just know that, right, First John, earlier in the chapter, he says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Right? We know that our fruit that we bear is pretty evident and we can't hide it. See, we must understand that the type of seeds that we plant will be the type of fruit that we will yield. 
If we try to pretend and say that we know the word of God, but yet we turn around and we are so easily persuaded by false doctrines or bad teachings, then naturally we're going to show it in our actions. We say we know the word of God, but yet we are not keeping the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When we're not showing those things, it's pretty evident that we've not planted the seed of the word of God in our hearts. We must have understanding that we cannot hide from God. God knows our heart before man knows our heart. We can fake it a little bit around people, but God is the one that we're truly trying to worship, to glorify. Christian, I just want to challenge you today. I know this from my own personal experience. Glowing closer to God and abiding in his word is such a joy, such a peace. I love what John says later on in the chapter. His commandments are not burdensome. To read his word is not burdensome. Let me tell you that. Maybe today you're struggling with your Bible reading. Maybe it's hard for you to get into your Bible daily. I've been there, like I said. Well, let me finish today by giving you three practical ways to abide in the truth and to become better at reading your Bible. Number one, to read your Bible daily. Now, I know that sounds simple, because it is. (laughs) Find a habit. Get into the habit of reading the Word often. There's this app on, for those of you who have cell phones, you can download an app called uh, the Bible app, and they've got devotionals you can follow, and it keeps you, uh, it keeps you accountable, really. Right? Psalm one nineteen oh five says, "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." Matthew four four says, "This is Jesus speaking." He says, "It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Hope that you can continue reading your Bible. The more you open it, the more you'll be fed. So important. Maybe reading by yourself is hard, so have an accountability partner. That's the second thing. Proverbs 27, 17 says it best. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens it. So, or let me read that again. Like iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another, man or woman. Encourage each other. Your brothers and sisters of Christ, that's what you're there for, to encourage each other, to read your Bibles together. Spouses, Reading your Bible together is so important, so important. Having accountability, right? Because sometimes we naturally say, ah, yeah, maybe I'll read. No, but if you have somebody keeping you accountable, boy, that's the best thing you can have. But most importantly, my last one, do not shy away from the truth, but run towards it. Jesus said in John 14, for I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A couple chapters later, in 17, verse 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth, for your word is truth. You must embrace the truth, not run away from it, but run towards it. And the, probably the best passage in Scripture, about Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete quit for every good work so like i mentioned if you're struggling to get in the word of god just know that you're not alone but you have brothers and sisters who are willing to help you that's what we as a church are here for pastor isaac and i we would love to show you how to be deep in the word and how to fight teachings that come from the enemy scripture is amazing and it can the more you uncover it, the more you dig deep into this, the more treasure you will find. 
And so I want to encourage you today, if you are struggling with that, come talk to somebody. But most importantly, it doesn't just start in Scripture, but it starts with your own heart. What is your heart towards the things of God? See, in Ephesians 2, it talks about we at one time were enemies against God. Right? Let me go there real quick. Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins once you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Right? We were disobedient. We don't want to come to God. It's naturally because of our sin, the things that we've done against God, our brokenness. It's how we're born. We're born with our sin. And we lived once in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. We only want to do things on our own. In the mind, and we're nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, that's where you were before Christ. And maybe you are sitting there today. Maybe you today, you don't want anything to do with the word of God. You don't want anything to do with God. That's how we all started. But God in his great mercy, I love what verse 4 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. Grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Again, he says, by grace you've been saved. Maybe you're sitting here today and this is maybe the first time you've been to church in a while or first time altogether. May I challenge you that there's a God who loves you and cares for your needs. He wants to see you saved because he sent his son to prove his love for you. Son Jesus, who came, lived a perfect life on this earth and went to the cross and died for you and for me so that we can come back into a perfect relationship. That's where that abiding comes back into play. If you're not abiding in the things of God, I challenge you today to do that. Even if you are a Christian who's been coming to church for a long time, come to church isn't what saves you. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Jesus said in his word, I came to give you life and life more abundant. Many of us think that we have a good life. Maybe we make a lot of money or don't. Either way, we, our happiness relies a, lot, relies a lot on earthly things. But let me tell you, there's something greater, heavenly things. So I challenge you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you have become divided apart from God, I pray that today you come back into a perfect union with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for giving us your word, this amazing wellspring of truth. Father, I just continue to pray over each and every heart in this room, God. I just pray that you continue to convict hearts and challenge us, God. Lord, that you just continue to work in our hearts as we go into this time. Benediction, God, this time of prayer. God, just be with us now. Convict us where we need convicting and truly challenge us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be down in front if you'd like to pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. 
For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.